You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report podcast. Welcome to the Course Report Boot Camp News Roundup. I'm Liz. I'm Jeff. Each month, we round up all of the news about coding boot camps, everything that we talked about in the Course Report office, thought was interesting, and we share it with you. And this episode is a little bit different. It's arguably my favorite podcast episode of the year because it's the end of December, which means that we are looking back at 2019. We're going to highlight some trends that we noticed, and we're going to make some predictions for 2020. Um, If you've been listening all year, then you may have heard some of this news, but we're going to wrap up the most important things, most significant uh, news breaks, and and we'll share them all with you. And if you're used to hearing Imogen's voice on this podcast, then this is the perfect time to introduce you to Jess Feldman. <laughs> um, hi, Jess. Hi. <laughs> Jess is new to the Course Report team. She's our new content manager, and she is awesome. She's a quilter extraordinaire. She already knows a ton about coding boot camps, and we are so excited to welcome her to the team and to this podcast. Thanks, Liz. I'm super excited to be here, and it's super exciting to to start out with this kind of podcast. It's going to be a great episode. Yeah, this is the perfect one to start on. Um, So I guess from there, uh, Liz, um, what were your predictions for 2019? Yeah, so last year we predicted that in 2019 we'd see more consolidation, we'd see more schools offering the GI Bill, and more veterans taking advantage of it. Uh, We also thought that more schools would be offering ISAs, income share agreements, and that traditional lenders like Skills Fund and Climb Credit would become more popular. And of course, that corporate training would continue to grow in the bootcamp space. It seems like all those things um, actually happened this past year, and um, we'll dive into all of that. But before we look back at the news, um, what happened at Course Report this year? So much happened at Course Report this year. Uh, Jess, I know you're new, but you already can see how quickly everything is growing in this space, and Course Report is no exception. So we added 89 schools to our directory of coding boot camps. That actually is kind of funnily the same exact number that we added last year in 2018. So 89 schools a year. (laughs) It's kind of the pace that the bootcamp industry is growing at. Plus you, our readers, um, applied for over 600 scholarships on Course Report, and we gave away over $90,000 in exclusive Course Report scholarships. We also matched about 16,000 readers with coding boot camps in our matching tool. You can use that at coursereport.com slash get matched. Um, and we published about 126, 127 maybe new articles on our blog. Um, that includes 14 podcasts, including this one, and 23 YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> which is a lot. That's a lot of content for the year. It is a lot. Yeah. Um, the most popular article of all time published is still our front end versus back end development. It's a great place to start if you're just beginning your research. 
And our most popular video this year was this one that we did a panel on how to get into seven coding boot camps. Uh, so seven different admissions folks from different boot camps around New York, but they also have campuses all around the, the U.S. Uh, joined us and we asked all about how to get into their schools. And then finally, we kept the industry on its toes this year by publishing our two major industry reports, our market sizing report, which found continued growth both in in-person and online boot camps, as well as corporate training partnerships with boot camps, and our alumni outcomes and demographics report, which we just put live a few days ago. If you haven't seen it, um, go check it out. We'll also give a quick summary of what we found a little bit later in this podcast. Awesome. Um, so let's dive in a bit more and rewind all the way back to January 2019. Um, how did the boot camp industry start off in 2019, Liz? Well, it started off with a huge fundraise. The online boot camp Lambda School raised about $30 million in January. That was on top of about $14 million raised in 2018. And Lambda School said that they raised that round to expand its income sharing agreement. Uh, to scale the school, to build out its hiring network, and to expand internationally, which we did actually see ring true throughout the year. And that fundraise kicked off a year of news about ISAs, the income share agreements, um, which got a lot of attention from universities, um, from coding boot camps, and from regulators and legislators um, this year. Um, We kept our guide to ISAs and deferred tuition updated on our blog, um, which then these explain the inner workings of these types of agreements and also list all the schools um, which offer ISAs and deferred tuition. Um, and by the end of 2019, we have counted 18 schools offering an ISA or deferred tuition. Um, and spoiler alert, we end the year with a lot of talk, um, but not much resolution on this ISA situation. Yeah, especially from a regulatory perspective. Lots of bills proposed, lots of talk, but not a ton of resolution. And then, Jess, what stood out from February? Um, So for February, uh, the Department of Veteran Affairs announced a new five-year pilot training program. They're calling it the Veteran Employment Through Technology Education Course, or Vet Tech. Um, that's spelled with T-E-C. And vet tech is cool because you don't have to use the GI Bill benefits to use it. Um, and it pays a monthly housing stipend um, to any student veterans on the program as well. And around April, um, schools started to announce that they were accepting vet tech. And so we created a full guide to vet tech on the Course Report blog. Um, today, there are a handful of preferred partners, such as Skill Distillery, Zip Code Wilmington, Code Platoon, Galvanize, Sabio, and Divergence Academy. Yeah, VetTech is very cool, and we just continue to see more schools getting approved as preferred partners. There are also a lot of really interesting implications with how the VA is actually paying schools through VetTech. They're doing kind of a 25% upfront and then 50% once the student actually graduates, and then another 25% once the student actually gets a job. So really incentivizing schools to actually get students' jobs when they graduate. I thought that was a really interesting way for a government you know, uh, branch to be looking at boot camps. 
And then also in February, Ed Surge's Sydney Johnson, who covers boot camps a lot, profiled a partnership between Dominican University and Make School. And this was an interesting read because the Department of Ed under Betsy DeVos was also proposing to remove restrictions on accredited colleges to contract out entire educational programs to unaccredited education providers, which would obviously make university boot camp partnerships even easier. Um, of course, when we talk about these you know, university boot camps, Trilogy Education is top of mind. They control most of these programs and they're expanding really quickly. But there are also examples like Make School, uh, Epicodus, Flatiron School, Full Stack Academy, which we'll talk about more in the next few minutes. Um, but university boot camps were definitely a big trend in 2019. And this was kind of the first mention that we got of those in the news this year. And then marching on into March, it sounds like we got proof that employers are really seeing the value in boot camp grads. Yes, we did. But first in March, New York-based bootcamp Full Stack Academy was acquired by Bridgepoint Education in a deal worth potentially $50 million. And then what you were saying, Jess, is that this Hired.com survey came out, which reported that 57% of employers would consider hiring a bootcamp grad for an open role, while just 7% said that they would not. And I think that was part of this kind of evolving opinion of bootcamp grads in the larger job market this year. We saw more companies like Apple and Google lifting their requirements for CS degrees and, you know, building apprenticeship programs to onboard bootcamp graduates and even really recruiting directly from bootcamps. Um, and that Hired.com survey was really good kind of evidence to back up the fact that employers are really turning to bootcamps and accepting bootcamp grads as really viable, legitimate, uh, you know, talent in the space. Which is so cool. Um, April showered us with a huge acquisition. Um, it's the second largest in bootcamp history. Liz, what happened there? Sure. So to you, which is <clears throat> a huge education company that typically runs online master's degree programs for traditional universities, acquired Trilogy Education in April. And as we know, Trilogy Education runs boot camps at universities across the U.S. and around the world. 2U paid $400 million in cash and issued $350 million in stock to buy Trilogy. So this was, I guess, the second largest in boot camp history. I was thinking that the General Assembly ADECO acquisition, which is about $500 million in cash, was, was the largest. But, I mean, altogether, cash and stock, $750 million, that might uh, that might beat them out for the biggest acquisition in, in the space. Um, and, yeah, that was, a, that was a huge news story in April. Yeah. And then Education Dive reporter um, Hallie Busta interviewed the Trilogy CEO, Dan Sommer, um, about that acquisition. Um, and Dan said that the acquisition would accelerate Trilogy's expansion on the ground and online. And I'd say both of those came true. Um, he also hinted at a new rubric that 2U would be releasing for reporting outcomes. Yes. And then in October, 2U doubled down on that by saying that they'd be releasing this framework again. They did a kind of uh, more deep dive into what that framework would be. They said it would focus on oversight and accountability marketplace openness, access, affordability, quality, and outcomes, 
We have yet to see that framework, but that is truly huge in this space. University boot camps, as we mentioned, are growing at a really rapid clip, but there is not a lot of data or student outcomes data available about uh, about those types of programs. So we are listening with very open ears for an announcement about that actual 2U rubric and look forward to seeing it. Um, and also, Make School during that month raised $15 million in Series B funding um, in order to expand to New York City and Galvanize in April named a new CEO, Harsh Patel, who founded Maker Square, which was then acquired by Hack Reactor, um, which was then acquired by Galvanize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Harsh has been in that in that kind of conglomerate of, of Maker Square, Hack Reactor, and Galvanize for a while, but it was really cool to see him actually be named the CEO. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that is a lot that happened in April. It looks like May was almost as busy. Yeah. Steve Lohr from the New York Times explored how effective intense technology programs are for helping people move into the middle class. Um, He focused on nonprofit organizations like Tech Hire, Skillful, Periscolas, and Year Up. Um, one interesting takeaway is that Steve covers a federally funded evaluation of Year Up, which tracked more than 1,600 Year Up students in 2013 and 2014, and 875 similar young people who met the standards for admission but did not go through the program. Um, the earnings of the Year Up students were 53% more than the control groups a year after graduation and remained far higher for the following year. Yeah, that was a really interesting piece. And I love that he kind of focused on some of those on the Perscolis in Europe and some of those more nonprofit programs. And then a bit of uh, downer news was you in May, which was Steve Wozniak's coding school, the co-founder of Apple had its license revoked in Arizona in May. And then just recently in November, they've now announced that they are closing This was after a really long saga of student complaints and bad reviews, which we have been reporting on for a while now. And yeah, finally had their license revoked. So we should not see Wazu in their current iteration in 2020. So by June, we were almost halfway through the year and we'd already had two huge acquisitions and a few big fundraises. But it wasn't just boot camps, right? Who else grew in June? Right. So Skills Fund, which is a coding bootcamp loan provider, was acquired by Goal Structured Solutions in June. And then just a couple of months earlier in February, Climb Credit, who also offers financing for coding bootcamps, announced that they had raised an additional $50 million in lending capital from Goldman Sachs and then another $10 million in a Series A round in July. So a lot of uh, fundraises and acquisitions in the bootcamp lending space in June. Um, And one of the insights we found in our recent bootcamp alumni outcomes and demographics report is that lending partners like these are on the rise. The average student paid $13,728 in tuition. And in in 2019, 26% of bootcampers used an external lending company. 45% of those used skills fund and 24% used climb credit. They're a big part of the industry now. And in June, we also read a lot about large companies and CEOs really advocating for coding boot camps to train new developers and also to retrain their current employees. For example, Upwork CEO Stephanie Casriel wrote in Fortune about why Upwork no longer requires employees to have a college degree. 
following in the footsteps of Apple and IBM. And she says that companies should consider graduates of programming schools like 42 School, Holberton School, and Lambda School. And then shortly after that, IBM CEO Jenny Rometty wrote about why she wants Congress to reform the Higher Education Act and make federal student loans available for career-oriented education, like part-time coding boot camps and cybersecurity courses. So those are two pretty big CEOs uh, talking about how boot camps are fitting into the modern you know, technical landscape. Finally, in June, Harvard Business Review profiled Cyber NYC. It's a partnership between the New York City Economic Development Corporation and education par- partners like CUNY and Full Stack Academy to train New Yorkers in cybersecurity. But more on that later. Yeah, much more cybersecurity news to talk about for this year, but let's move into July. So, Jess, what kind of press did ISAs or income share agreements get in July? Inside Higher Ed and Forbes both covered an ISA bill in July, and the bill is called ISA Student Protection Act, which was introduced by a bipartisan group of senators. Skeptics say that income share agreements just offer students a different kind of debt. Um, High level, the bill says that individuals making less than 200% of the federal poverty level are exempt from making payments towards their ISA. Um, ISA providers cannot make agreements with students that require payments higher than 20% of income for shorter-term contracts, with the cap decreasing to 7.5% for the longest contracts allowed, so 30 years. Um, And funders must disclose to students how their monthly payments would compare under the ISA to payments on a private or federal loan for the same amount of money and the number of payments. And lastly, it would apply to federal consumer protection laws Um, such as the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, uh, Military Lending Act, Service Members Civil Relief Act, Equal Credit Opportunity Act. Um, That would apply to the ISAs. Okay, that's a really great summary. Thanks for for wrapping that up. Um, That bill hasn't really gone anywhere yet, but I would expect this to be pretty big in 2020. Um, It definitely holds potential to create very much needed clarity for students and for institutions who are considering uh, adding an ISA as a financing option to their education uh, program. But really, ISAs, in my humble opinion, should just be held to the same regulations as traditional student loans are. And it sounds like the ISA, you know, Student Protection Act is doing some of that. Um, So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. And meanwhile, speaking of ISAs, we kind of saw Lambda School's promise ring true in, uh, in July, and Lambda School launched their ISA in Africa. HR Dive looked at how more men than women hold degrees in or work in STEM across the U.S. and looked at initiatives to help change this. Um, this included a partnership between the Flatiron School and SeatGeek. And in the same vein, Full Stack Academy and the Grace Hopper program committed $90,000 to the LGBTQ plus tech community. Metis offered four full tuition scholarships to women studying in Chicago or Seattle and a few huge NYC finance companies like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, all hosted three-week fintech coding boot camps in their NYC offices to help increase the representation of women and people of color in software engineering within banking. So all of that happened in July. There was a big focus, big 
push towards um, diversity in, in tech among the boot camp world in July. Um, and last bit of news for our July um, 2019 roundup was that Level, a data science boot camp at Northeastern, closed. Um, so moving on to August 2019, Course Report was actually in the news quite a bit with data about the boot camp industry. Isn't that right, Liz? Yeah. In August, we published our 2019 market sizing report, which we do every year. It measures the growth of the boot camp industry. I can just read a few highlights. In 2019, coding boot camps will graduate about 23,000 developers. Online coding boot camps are growing even more quickly than in person. About 5,500 students will graduate from full time online coding boot camps in 2019. We estimate that tuition revenue from qualifying schools will be about 310 million dollars in this year. Uh, That doesn't include corporate training revenue, which was actually a huge trend uh, this year. So 29 boot camps in 2019 expect to teach an additional 2,300 or so students via about 1,000 corporate training partners, which is about 34% growth since 2018. So we're seeing a lot more of those corporate uh, partnerships between boot camps and big companies And those are super nuanced. They take on a lot of different uh, kind of uh, characteristics. There are some, you know, boot camps that are creating customized programs for to retrain a whole population at a at a company. There are others that are doing like onboarding, um, mentorship, stuff like that. So a lot of different kind of nuanced corporate training partnerships there. Um, also in August 2019, Flatiron School announced that they would acquire SecureSet Cybersecurity Bootcamp. Um, and that means that Fly- Flatiron now teaches web development, data science, UX design, and cybersecurity. And in the same month, Flatiron's parent company, WeWork, filed for its IPO. And we discovered from IPO filing documents that WeWork paid about $28 million for Flatiron School which included $15 million in cash and the rest in stock. Those documents also showed that Flatiron's revenue increased tenfold. Wow. Um, we keep an eye on boot camps that are owned by public companies. And Education Dive reported that Strategic Education, which owns for-profit universities and boot camps like Hackbright Academy and Dev Mountain, um, reported growth in their short-term programs like coding boot camps and software design programs. So as the months started to get colder in September this year, the bootcamp industry was just heating up. Um, and I think we started with an $80 million acquisition. Yeah, that's right. Thankful was acquired by Chegg for about $80 million in cash. Um, we got some insight into that acquisition in an Ed Surge article written by Wade Tyler Millward. Um, and here's what we learned. Thankful will remain focused on consumer training. Um, the corporate training route some boot camps have pursued is too competitive and not worth the profits, which are typically shared with a brand name university supplying the curriculum. Um, and also, they see their competitive advantages as one, lower price point, and two, student data informing their offerings. And in September, Kenzie Academy raised $7.8 million in Series A funding to expand its tech education to students online and in the Midwest. And Edley, which is an ISA marketplace, secured a seed round of funding from Mistral Venture Partners. Edley's biggest client was Lambda School then. I think they have a couple more schools onboarded now. 
Um, the director of engineering at Pandora, Dave Edwards, wrote a guest post for VentureBeat about Pandora's apprenticeship program, which partnered with OnRamp to train coding bootcamp grads. And in a similar vein, Airbnb announced that they would partner with Tech Hire Oakland to launch six-month software engineering apprenticeships that were aimed at people without CS degrees. Their job description specifically stated that people should not have a four-year degree and instead should have training from a coding bootcamp or online courses. And we've really started seeing the rise in demand for cybersecurity skills all over the country. Um, Technically Philly looks at the need for cybersecurity skills in Pennsylvania, mentioning a 2018 Burning Glass Technologies Labor Insight Report, which found there were 10,000 local cybersecurity roles that needed filling. Um, That's a 127% increase in the last five years. On top of the Full Stack Academy Cyber NYC Bootcamp and the Flatiron Cybersecurity Acquisition we talked about earlier, um, Trilogy launched a cybersecurity bootcamp at the University of Pennsylvania and at Miami um, College in Florida, or Miami-Dade College in Florida. Yeah, we're really seeing those the demand for cybersecurity heating up and bootcamps really reacting in the market to that demand. And then finally, in September, uh, Imogen from the Course Report team wrote an article in The Muse about how to find a boot camp that will actually help you land a job, including what to look out for in the curriculum, how to make sure you choose a boot camp that works with your schedule, how to find a learning environment that works for you, and the importance of looking at job outcomes and talking to real alumni about their experiences. Uh, So great piece for any super beginners, someone who's really getting started in their research process. That piece is in the Muse. We'll include a link to it when we publish this blog post. Um, And guess what happened in October 2019? More growth. Can you believe it? (laughs) Yeah, so Galvanize raised another $13 million from 14 investors. Their CEO, Harsh Patel, said that Galvanize plans to open more locations for its coding school in early to mid-2020. Momentum Coding Bootcamp in Durham, North Carolina, raised $2.75 million to strengthen its existing immersive courses. And this is run by former Iron Yard execs. And online tech sales bootcamp, FlockJ, raised about $3 million in new funding with celebrity backers like Will Smith and Serena Williams. So on top of cybersecurity, sales bootcamps, these kind of uh, technical sales schools, were another trend that we saw in 2019. Um, And Trilogy continued to expand throughout the year, um, adding a handful of new schools to their portfolio. But in October, Goldie Blumenstick from the Chronicle of Higher Education wrote about a partnership General Assembly formed with Noodle Partners to develop boot camps with colleges. And this included the University of Virginia. Um, It seems like Noodle Partners and General Assembly are trying to give Trilogy a run for their money, um, in addition to several other boot camps like Full Stack Academy and Coding Dojo partnering with universities. And a quick note on the regulation front, DICE looked into Lambda Schools fine from the BPPE, which is the Bureau for Private and Post-Secondary Education in California. 
We like to keep an eye on the BPPE because they are typically the bureau in the U.S. Uh, that is like really paying attention to coding boot camps. And they ordered Lambda School to cease all operations and pay a $75,000 fine for failing to register at a, as a school. Uh, that doesn't seem to have gone anywhere yet, but uh, we will keep an eye on it. Um, and I think this is really signifying that the BPP is paying attention to online schools, even if a school is not uh, operating in California in a you know physical classroom. They really want uh, those online boot camps to be regulated and, and approved in their state. So by November 2019, things were starting to wind down. Um, but WeWork was really starting to hit its peak drama, don't you think? (laughs) Yes. So WeWork really hit peak drama in November. They were acquired by SoftBank, and they laid off around 80 Flatiron School staff members as a part of a larger round of WeWork layoffs. According to Ed Surge, um, Cybrary landed a 15 million Series B round to train students in cybersecurity. And zip code Wilmington launched a new data engineering program in Wilmington, Delaware. And then Galvanize partnered with the city of New York to offer a data analyst training program. And finally, uh, we also attended a bootcamp conference that was led by Skills Fund in November. It was really cool. A lot of schools were there. Um, I got to present on our newest outcomes and demographics report, a bit of a sneak peek for the schools that were there. And then we actually published that report in December. And here we are in December 2019, the most wonderful time of the year. Um, What's going on this month, Liz? Well, biggest news, we just released our alumni outcomes and demographics report. Uh, We survey a ton of actual alumni from coding boot camps. We ask them about their background, uh, how much work experience they have, what they were doing before boot camp, how satisfied they were at their boot camp, um, if they've actually gotten a job after they graduate, how much money they're making all of the things. And what we found this year is that the majority of graduates of coding boot camps are finding full-time employment. About 83% of graduates surveyed said that they have been employed in a job that requires the technical skills they learned at a boot camp with a median salary increase of 51% or $22,000. So we always hear people asking, is a coding boot camp worth it? Is it worth it to invest, you know, thirteen, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars in a school like this? I think that salary increase is definitely proof that boot camps are worth it. Um, the average starting salary of a boot camp grad is about sixty-seven thousand dollars, and that's across the entire U.S. and Canada, um, a little bit internationally. Obviously, that varies a lot depending on where you are in the country. Um, There is so much more interesting data in that report. So please read the whole thing. We break down success by, you know, your past education attainment. If you don't have a college degree, do you do as well in boot camps? Um, Success by gender. Do women and men actually perform the same or differently at boot camps? Um, We look into military status, uh, veterans who take boot camps, you know, how do they do after they graduate? So many things. Um, so please read that whole thing and we'll, we'll start to share that more in 2020. 
Um, and since we're rolling our December news into this end of the year podcast, um, I just wanted to highlight a couple of recent news articles that um, we've been reading. Um, we recommend checking out. Student Finance, a Madrid, Spain-based company that manages income share agreements, so ISAs for education providers, um, has raised 1.15 million euros. So that's the equivalent of 1.3 million US dollars. They call themselves the VIMO of Europe. Um, the New York Times also dove into ISAs, so these income share agreements, um, highlighting how coding boot camps like Flatiron have been successfully using ISAs, but concern about possible new legislation of applying ISAs to four-year college programs. Um, with the new policies being determined, it would be possible that a student would end up paying off their loans through an ISA for their entire working life. I think they said that was around like 30 years. And Ed Surge reported in December that Springboard just raised $11 million to expand their mentor-driven coding boot camps. And if you're looking for a bit of a longer, more think piece, there was also an interesting piece in The Hill in December about how boot camps are unlocking the untapped potential of the rural workforce in America. So they talk about remote work, um, how boot camps are affecting that, and that is one to check out. Sweet. So um, what a look back at 2019. Um, we can sum it up in a few words, um, ISAs, cybersecurity, fundraises, uh, corporate backing, university boot camps, and of course, growth. Um, Liz, did anything huge happen from a regulatory perspective? Well, we didn't expect a ton of federal regulation from this administration, but I think the election in 2020 may actually move the needle here, depending on the outcome there. Um, Elizabeth Warren issued a letter about her concerns for ISAs, a lot of which I would say is valid when we consider ISAs for traditional four-year degrees, um, maybe less so when we look at ISAs for coding boot camps, just because the outcomes are totally different. Um, but yeah, not a ton of external federal regulation. Um, one thing to mention is that CIRR, the Council on Integrity and Results Reporting, is still going strong internally. Boot camps are still trying to regulate themselves. They very much realize that um, you know regulation is actually very important in order for this industry to grow with integrity and to avoid some of the um, pitfalls and you know downfalls of the uh, traditional for-profit education world. About 50 schools are members of um, CIRR, and we expect that to grow in 2020. So what trends are you expecting for 2020, Liz? Okay, so overall, we see that the industry continues to grow and graduates continue to report really strong outcomes. I expect the same to kind of extend into 2020. Um, last year, we talked a lot about the Forever GI Bill, and you know, we said we'd start to see more schools accepting the GI Bill. We have seen that, but I think that we'll start to see more veterans taking advantage of vet tech, which we talked about earlier. And depending on how that pilot program goes, we could see even more veterans taking advantage of coding boot camps to transition into civilian careers. And by using less GI Bill benefits, so you know, at a at a real benefit to the to the veterans, um, we'll also continue seeing boot camps offer ISAs, income share agreements. I think those will start to be more and more often backed by traditional banks, traditional lenders, or being bought up in marketplaces like Edly. 
Um, that's, you know, kind of for better or for worse. ISAs in the very beginning in boot camps were really backed by the schools. Um, and we're kind of seeing that start to, to scale in different ways. And then I mentioned university partnerships before. Obviously, there is a lot of opportunity here. Um, from my perspective, and I think in the interest of students, my advice to schools is when you are going to enter into a university partnership, um, apply the same rigorous outcomes expectations to those programs as you would to your own boot camp. And I don't think we've seen an example yet of a boot camp that's been able to kind of preserve that transparency in a university partnership. Uh, we talked about to use rubric, which they have coming on the horizon. We really look forward to seeing what that entails because trans transparency is so important to this industry. And speaking of that, my final prediction, what I hope for 2020 is that we will see CIRR, CIRR, the Council on Integrity and Results Reporting, grow in its importance, grow in membership, um, because as we mentioned before, and we'll continue to say, transparency is key in the bootcamp industry. And if any of our predictions come true, you'll be hearing about them in exactly one year when we're back in with our wrap up for 2020. <laughs> Yay. All right. Well, Jess, great first podcast episode. Um, and to everyone tuning in, thank you so much. Uh, have a great 2020. We appreciate you listening all year. And uh, we'll be back in January to wrap up the news for the next month. And as always, you know, we love hearing feedback. So please email us at hello at coursereport.com. Let us know what you want to hear about on the next uh, Course Report Coding Bootcamp news roundup or podcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, help other future bootcampers find it by going to iTunes, going to Stitcher, wherever you uh, get your podcasts and subscribing to the Course Report podcast and leaving us a review. And we will see you in 2020. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs>